Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more. And plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 2-2, two and two, coming off impressive wins over the Atlanta Hawks and Denver Nuggets. And joining me today to discuss it virtually is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Justin, are you ready for the revolution? My word! <laughs> what a two-game stretch! Oh, baby. What what a two-game stretch indeed. I could not be more excited to talk about this team, but before... We talk about this team, Carter. I'm very excited to announce we got a sponsor. Sponsors are back, baby. And just like the Chase Down podcast was ahead of the curve with the Cleveland Cavaliers, we like them before they got cool to like them. We were ahead of the curve with our partner, Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. You know, Justin, we we were early, early on the Zoom thing. Like we like we were like it it's by far the best podcast recording uh video call software. Like, you know, like back back in the old days when people were using that old thing, I'm not even gonna say, man, mm. and we used to do it too. Ugh. Yeah, terrible. That and then other when we discovered that fumbled the bag. Oh, fumbled the bag so hard. <laughs> Zoom picked it right up and ran it, ran it to the bank. Uh, you know, once we, you know, a sneaky thing about Zoom that a lot of people don't know, Justin, is that? that when you record, you can re- record individual audio tracks, which makes editing podcasts really easy. Real, real easy. And while we're on a self-indulgent note, I think we should give a thanks uh, both to the Cleveland Cavaliers organization that helped facilitate this awesome weekend that we are coming off of, uh, where we got to meet in person, uh, do a live podcast with Austin Carr, which we apologize for not being on Spotify. It is currently living as a YouTube exclusive, but um, the the support from the team. The reason is I haven't had time to pull the audio and put it up, and now it's probably too late, isn't it? it? It's a little dated at this point, so it can live as a YouTube exclusive but beyond that the love and support we got from our fans the audience and like people shouting us out at the arena or or just around downtown um it it was really surreal it was overwhelming um you know me i i 
I struggle with all of that stuff because I don't feel like what we do is that special. But I, I just got to say, it, it truly, truly is, uh, it, it means the world to us. And I mean, the the fact that we can just kind of be fans and, and kind of exist in this space and have that support is still the coolest thing. So uh, before we get to the Cavs, I just want to give a quick shout out for that. Totally surreal weekend. Uh, you know, Cavs put us up in a nice hotel. Uh, got us really amazing seats. Facilitated a great podcast with Austin. It, it was hard to. It was hard to beat. It was. I mean, again, like you just kind of sit having a beer at the end of it, going, "Wow, we didn't expect anyone to listen to this, and now the Cavs are paying for us to come do this." You know, um, really, really cool. Couldn't ap- appreciate that partnership more. Um, and you know, it, a lot of a lot of people, I think, might think that they'd be a little bit more in our business than they are. You know. Like yeah. we pretty much get to do as we please, you know, and um, it's been just a wonderful partnership. And I mean, I felt like that was such such a high point so far in this in this run we've had with them. And it's not even all star weekend yet, Justin. No, it is not. It, it it was full of unexpected surprises, just like the last two games for the Cleveland Cavaliers with unexpected wins over the Atlanta Hawks and Denver Nuggets. It was funny. I, I was saying to you before the Hawks game, one thing that I really struggled to kind of condition myself to remember as you enter a new NBA season is just because you're not supposed to win doesn't mean you don't have a chance to win. And, and that's what we saw against the Hawks as well as the Nuggets, where this team that that has been competitive i would say in all four of these games really found a way to to hang in there to to weather some storms against teams that i mean you you look at the hawks and nuggets two of the best offenses in the league right some of the deepest teams in the league and and they found a way to kind of capitalize on the mistakes those teams made as well as force mistakes as well with uh, some pretty spectacular defensive efforts yeah i mean it was opportunistic basketball you know there's no way around it they, they played really really smart sharp ball there were some times where the the opposition gave it to him i don't think the nuggets played a particularly sharp game they, uh, they were most night. certainly sloppy um but you know good teams are the ones that take it when uh when when uh better teams kind of give them the opportunity mm-hmm. and i think that you know i mean that third quarter how many times were you just waiting for the nuggets to take over yeah Yep. And it just, they just kept him at bay long enough. And it was just, it was so exciting. I, and you know, I, I tweeted this after the game, but we're 16 quarters in to the, to the 2021, 22 season. I've not enjoyed two of them. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter against Memphis and the fourth quarter against Charlotte. Yeah. And uh, 14 out of 16, I'll take, man. I really <laughs> will take. I'm well, having a good time. And that's really all you can ask for as a fan. Well, no kidding. And I, I mean, one of the exciting things about this start to the Cavs season is that the offense looks dramatically different. Uh, after four games, the Cavs are 15th in offensive rating and 19th in defensive rating. Um, they lead the league in assist percentage. M- more of their field goals are assisted than any other team in the league, which, I mean, you, you look at how stagnant things were last season, uh, where you might see pick and roll, not a whole lot of off-ball action, things like that. Um, this This is a very very different Cleveland Cavaliers team with multiple initiators and making use of those initiators. Um, I, I've really found it to be refreshing. And even though they didn't shoot particularly well against Atlanta or Denver, that movement is helping kind of keep things fresh. It's helping keep guys involved. And 
I, I mean, you, you look at getting wins over those teams like that. That is something that's pretty, pretty remarkable, given how young this team is, uh, how many new pieces they're integrating and, and the depth uh, of their opponents as well. Yeah, I think it's a it's a mix of uh, definitely some more compli- complicated actions and then just some better IQ and, and, you know, seasoning from a lot of these offensive players. And then obviously the feel from Evan Mobley. I mean, I've seen more skip passes in the last four games than I've seen <laughs> in the last season. Yeah, you're, you're um, not wrong. You know, and, and a lot of it does feel like there are secondary and tertiary actions that are starting to get broken, built into these sets where, you know, it's not just a pick and roll. It's a pick and roll to uh, where Laurie is getting a, a backside flare screen to pop out for a three and get hit for a wide open shot while the defense is looking elsewhere. That's just stuff we didn't see last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm so encouraged by the offense right now. Uh, and it's not because, you know, as you've noted, it's not just because they're playing more shooters. It's not because Laurie's lighting the nest on fire. In fact, it's quite the opposite. His his shooting splits are pretty bad right now. Yeah. Um, it is it is threat. It is uh, motion. It is uh, pick and roll know-how. And it's interior passing. Woo, they were interior passing against Denver. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the really encouraging things. Like you would expect some regression for someone like Ricky Rubio, who I, I think is off to an uncharacteristically hot start. But at the same time, we still haven't really seen Darius Garland click. We haven't seen Colin Sexton click. Laurie Markkinen is due for some positive regression. And, and you look at the offensive difference right now uh, with Garland making his return uh, versus Denver. You, you look at the on-off splits. The offense is 18.2 points better with him on the court this season. Small sample size, yes. But that is a dramatic difference for a guy that isn't even hitting his shots yet. And the closest teammate to him is Kevin Love at plus 4.8. That That is... Is, that is dramatic. And, and when you look at what this offense can do with multiple creators, with Ricky Rubio, with Garland, uh, I think Colin Sexton's playmaking has been better than his assist would indicate. Uh, Isaac Okoro is providing playmaking. Uh, Evan Mobley as that outlet for when teams trap up high, making the right reads at such quick speeds. I, I, this think, is... I think Mobley's short roll playmaking was the highlight of the night last night. I mean, well, other than Jarrett being the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my god, I, it's even I, good. There, ha, blitzing Darius was something the Cavs just didn't have a great counter for last year. Yeah, um, you know, Larry was okay there as the release valve, but wasn't enough of a you know pull up shooter to to make teams want to threaten him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Mobley's just so big. You know, Darius doesn't really even have to make a good uh, outlet pass. That's that's the uh, thing. The, the catch the radius is so much larger when it comes to Mobley. So so and and Mobley was just playmaking the hell out of the out of it at, on the short roll. It's funny, he had two assists, but you know there were what four straight plays where they got an uneasy bucket out of the short roll. Yep. After they blitzed Darius, like yeah, Tony Jones of the Athletic noted it. It was four straight possessions that ran through Mobley that resulted in ten points, and and that was a crucial crucial stretch for the Cavs against the Nuggets, who I I felt were playing pretty good half court defense. Yeah, I mean I. Yeah, it's a, a lot of it is just Mobley can see it, you know? I mean, people yeah. have pointed out the the oop to Laurie, which is like, just watching Mobley throw oops is like my favorite thing. Because <laughs> um, dudes just don't do that. And like someone, I forget who meant, who noted it, but like he saw the Laurie cut before his feet touched the floor after yeah. the catch, you know? And that kind of playmaking really is how you overcome bad spacing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and plus on the, and then, you know, obviously doing your work on the defensive end, but overall, man, it just, it's been so exciting to watch this team kind of figure out how to, how to get points on the board because it's not always been easy, but again, it's just not as stagnant as it was last year. I don't know how much of that is JB, how much of it's just personnel and their understanding of the playbook. I don't know how much of it is, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what the root cause, if it's just a, a talent level thing, Yeah. but the reality of the situation is you look at what this team is doing and how they're in the, le- how they're generating their buckets. There's just no more of this stagnant side pick and roll one action into a pick and roll that was pretty much defined their offense last season. There's a lot of variety, man. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I, I think another part of that equation that we need to mention is the fact that they had a training camp together. There there wasn't that mid-season Jared Allen trade uh, in a season where teams weren't able to practice because it was so condensed, right? Like there is more offensive talent here and you are seeing a more active offense. And when when we talked to Sidney Lowe, he, he mentioned and really emphasized that one of the things the Cavs are focusing on is sacrifice, right? That that guys are, are going to have to play out of position sometimes. Sometimes they're going to have to sacrifice those individual numbers. And what I really like about this Cavs motion offense, especially for a team this young, is even if it's uncomfortable for some of these guys, and even if they're not putting up the same individual stats, they're learning how to play on and off ball, right? Like Darius Garland, still not comfortable uh, playing off of Ricky Rubio. That's going to take some time. Colin Sexton is looking to to find uh, the best ways that he can capitalize off ball. We saw it be really effective against Charlotte, where he got easy buckets off of cuts and and was really involved in the offense. But what I I like about doing this motion offense, where you have so many players getting reps, initiating the offense, guys are moving with or without the ball, is I feel as the season progresses and guys get more comfortable playing off ball and knowing what to do, you can start leveraging those individual talents that you have. In a lot of ways, it's the opposite of what the Hawks have done, where they started with a heliocentric offense, and then they try to add in other ball handlers. The Cavs aren't in a position where they only have one guy that's capable of handling the ball, right? You have all of these different guys, and I'm sure as the season progresses, you're going to see more high pick and roll with Garland, spread offense you're going to see uh sexton scoring leveraged more and more but it's going to be within the flow of the offense so i i really like starting with this foundation of a motion offense because as things as the season progresses when things stagnate you know that you have these sets in the back pocket back pocket that you've worked on and, and i i really think that it's a way to develop a healthy offense even if it doesn't necessarily produce the individual stats that you might want to see from a darius garland or Colin Sexton or an Isaac Okoro man yeah it's funny uh you know our dear friend David Zavak was uh I would uh I would venture he might not like this characterization might call it a a little bit of concern trolling about about (laughs) Isaac's offense like you know what do you get what do you get what do you pay a guy who makes eight who gets eight points like four boards and two assists Mm -hmm. a game like how good does he have to be on defense uh to justify that kind of pay paycheck and I'm thinking about as good as he is, <laughs> as good as he was against uh, against Austin Rivers on that possession. That that's how good he's going to have to be. <laughs> yeah. And and you know he's shown those little flashes here and there. Obviously hit the huge three um, to help close out the Denver game. But uh, you know it, 
but we are going to see like these guys are not going to have consistent stat lines yeah. on a night to night basis. I think that I'm pretty sure of. I don't think that I think we're well past the world where Collins just going to get 25 a, a night. Um, and you know, this is what was always kind of funny about uh, our other dear friend Hiram's, uh, you know, ideas about Colin taking another statistical leap. And my, my thought has always been like, you know, what, do, what does it look like if his stats actually drop, but they're winning? Yeah. You know, and cause I, I never felt like Colin had to be a guy who like the only road to him being a successful NBA player is being somebody who put up 25. And, and he is always to his credit. He has always been about winning, right? Like you look at these games, he is just as engaged when he's not getting touches as when he is right. Like he is still making those cuts, w- whether or not he's receiving the basketball and I I just feel like this is a really good approach to develop the playmaking skills of all of these guys. Like if this team is going to reach its potential, because let's be honest, this is still about more than this season, right? There are going to be growing pains. We are going to see experimenting with the rotations, experimenting with the offense. Um, They haven't put the the pressure of playoffs or or bust and everyone's gone if they don't make playoffs, right? It's about developing this core because, there's a level of confidence in what they've assembled here, right? So if you are prioritizing that development and everybody's getting those reps, the way that this team is maximized, if Garland learns how to relocate after he gives the ball up like a Steph Curry, if Sexton is able to find ways to dominate the offense uh, without dominating possession, without stopping the ball. And I, I think that there's been really, really positive growth. And, and for the people that have criticized these guys in the past for putting up stats that don't necessarily mean nothing, you should be willing, at least on the other side, to say, hey, these guys are all sacrificing for the good of the team to try to get wins. Uh, they are working at things that are going to benefit their long-term growth and elevate their ceiling. And, and I think that that's something that, that should be celebrated early on because there are going to be growing pains with this season. I, I, I'm, And I know people are going to roll their eyes at this because I'm a person when things are going bad, I say, you know what, it's not as bad as it looks when things are going good. A reminder, this is a team that's probably right now realistically gunning for a play-in. There are going to be times where this falls apart. They are in the middle of a brutal, brutal schedule. But, you know, it's just great to see that they've shown some resilience to this point. That when teams punch them in the mouth, they get back up, they respond. And, And there were many times against Atlanta as well as against Denver where things could have folded, but they found a way to close. The reality of the situation, Justin, is, and we said this watching in person together, which was very cool, just to reiterate, <laughs> the talent level is just high. Yeah. The, the talent level is so much higher. They're not playing a lot. They're not giving minutes to people who were not sure are NBA players anymore. Right. You know, that th- this team is nine deep minimum, and dudes we're pretty sure are going to stick in the league. I mean, you can quibble with spot nine mm-hmm. um, uh, if you want to, if you are not a Jetty fan, but I've been pretty thrilled with what he's given so far today you know i let's just and, say and this. with dylan winler back there's yeah, going to be some healthy competition for that position right yeah and let's say this i was not i if you had told me at the beginning of the year that winler was going to miss the first couple games and jetty was going to be the sole backup wing i would not have thought oh when Dinler re- or dylan winler returned that i would be like nah you know, when, if he earns his way on, he'll, he'll, he can be in. But I think that's a, that's a, you know, that's a credit to how well Jetty's played. I mean, the jumper seems to be, to be in decent form. Um, I think that he's mostly trans- staying within his role. 
yeah, he's staying within his role. Um, and you know, we found that, uh, you know, I'm going to say it again. Uh, the talent level on the team allows opportunistic players like Jetty to play opportunistically. And yep. I think that uh, has been the case for him. But Justin, when we're talking about talent, I mean, we're, we always do this, by the way, we always do this. We're bearing the lead. Cavs got a superstar <laughs> on their hands. <laughs> I mean, that is part of it, right? Like, that is why I feel good prioritizing the development and whatnot, because we're no longer at a point where the Cavs are looking to find a guy. It appears the Cavs have a guy. Evan Mobley is so much better than he's so far ahead of schedule when it comes to what he could be, right? Like everything that you saw in the draft film, everything that he was kind of reported to be, he is further ahead and displaying that at a high level. And I mean, it could not be more exciting because when you look at the fit between he and Jared Allen, who I think both of them you could argue right now are ahead of schedule that pairing looks really dynamic and is enabling the Cavs to do some unique things both offensively and defensively when you look at those three big lineups but Evan Mobley like he just gives you that foundation right like right now it looks like we have a franchise power forward we have a franchise center um if you are like me you might feel really good about the point guard and shooting guard positions and looking to see what happens with Isaac Okoro like there there is so much room for this team to grow. There are so many gears ahead of this team uh, that it's, it's got me so excited for this season, man. Yeah. I I mean, I don't want to move off mobile just yet. Cause no. I mean, man, like the, the impact defensively, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you'll watch him lock down Trey young. <laughs> I mean, complete. And like he makes like, and I tweeted this, there's a big difference between switchy bigs who can hang in this, you know, yeah. and it's he, he very turns important. scary Terry into scaredy Terry, my friend. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Thank you. But like, you know, like he, this is not normal the way he's switching onto these people. They're and and it's so fun, and it's it's actually going to be kind of sad, I think, uh, in the future once the once the tape comes out and people stop trying to ISO him on switches. Because <laughs> guards take it personally right now. Like there, yeah. there were several times, especially it was so obvious in those games that we got to watch in person. Um, but there were many times where an opposing player felt like they had him shook, where they felt that they have created the space. We, I have done my move that, traditionally speaking, generates an open look for me. And as they go up for the shot, Mobley has recovered and impacted the shot to the degree where they panic. That, that shot is hitting the backboard. It is short of the rim. There's the mid-air adjustment that just freaks them the hell out. And, <laughs> I, I mean, you look at this half-court defense, especially the last two games, uh, where they have managed to keep teams out of semi-transition, where they managed to slow down that pace and, and keep teams in the half-court. It is a really, really dynamic defensive pairing with Mobley and Allen, and I yeah, think- I mean, and, and I mean, and it's exactly what we hoped it would be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we had this idea of what that pairing was going to be in theory, um, and we both were like, "Well, it'll probably be a minute before it's actually like that in practice." And I think it's actually better than what we thought it was going to be. You know, and, and uh, I, I mean- think an sorry to cut you off, but I think an important variable in this too, and it was really, really evident in that Denver game, refs are not calling the same things as fouls. They are allowing a little more physicality. Uh, They are allowing there to be flow within the game. 
And the fact that those guys are able to be physical defensively where you can't just breathe on a guy and all of a sudden that's a foul for you. Like those guys go straight up, they move their feet well, and they're able to put a body on guys where traditionally maybe you just see a flail from a Facundo Campazzo or, or whatever the case may be. And, and they're just at the free throw line, right? The, or, or Trey Young, as an example, like the, the multiple times that Mobley got on him, stuck with him uh, and, and impacted the shot. Normally he's just waltzing to the free throw line and, and there was still plenty of grifting but I, I think the fact that more uh, physicality is being allowed defensively where they're giving defenders a chance really really makes the pairing of Allen and Mobley uh, just that much more potent and they're also doing a nice job uh, at least these last two games of helping to insulate Laurie um, on, on that side of the ball I think yeah. there's been a few plays uh, especially when they've gone to that 3-2 zone where Mobley's kind of covering a lot more ground than he should by any rights be doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then also I think Laurie took on the challenge a lot better. I think we're going to learn that he's going to be a lot better against these big wings like Michael Porter Jr. than against these smaller guys like Kelly Oubre, which Mm -hmm. is no surprise, really. Um, But, you know, I yeah, I mean, defensively, it's just... It's just chaos. I mean, really, the only thing to nitpick right now is the rebounding, and I thought they really cleaned that up against Denver. I mean, Jokic got his, but he's a monster uh, on the boards, and beyond that, I, th- I thought the Cavs did a much better job uh, kind of squeezing the orange uh, and, and ending possessions on the defensive glass. So I, I, I don't know, man. It just feels it feels so sustainable and like it's just going to grow. I mean, you're still, I'm still seeing spots where, where Mobley is out of position and making mistakes or misreading uh, the plays. His ability to recover from that is phenomenal, but you're, you're right. Those mistakes are still there. And I'm still, and I'm seeing them from Jarrett too. You know, there's, there were a couple uh, pick and pops with Jokic where, you know, Jokic caught it at the top of the three point arc with, uh, with Jarrett all the way below the free throw line, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, there were times where we, where they've been caught out of position sometime, and this is where the three-point uh, luck kind of helps because I don't think either team shot particularly well. That's true. Um, but also, they're closing down hard. They're playing really good, really good effort-based defense and swarming. I mean, if you're going to have three seven-footers on the floor, all three of them better be bothering your shot around the rim, especially in those kind of scrum situations. And I think there's a lot of times this year where we normally would see them kind of give up a give up a bucket and and sorry getting over a little bit of a cold <laughs> uh where we might see them give up a bucket and instead it's just they're volleyballing it up there for a while until one of them can go come down with a ball yeah and, and looking at these four games i i think my read on things or or one of the kind of points of emphasis or something for our, our listeners to focus on is you look at the two wins against atlanta and denver the big difference was the Cavs managed to slow down the pace and keep those teams out of transition. In those wins, their pace, so for those that are unaware, it's how many possessions per hundred, or yeah, possessions per hundred possessions uh, you play, right? Um, so it was 97 and 97 and a half in those, in those wins. In their losses, it was 104 and 106. And I, I think when they keep teams out of that semi-transition, when they keep teams out of transition and they manage their turnovers. Laurie Markkinen has active hands and, and he can move his feet, right? Like he can do a good job contesting shots on the perimeter and bothering those small forwards. And if he gets beat and the defense is set up in the half court, then Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are able to recover. They are able to cover for him. 
when they are in transition and you're just trying to pick up guys, that's where Laurie was really getting killed against uh, the, the Hornets and the Grizzlies, right? Like that's where you just saw no one picking up their man in transition. There was miscommunication. And I think the scouting report on the Cavs is going to be, hey, put when they have the three bigs out there, try to push the pace because teams that are willing to pay it, play at that pace, they are going to run into the the potential of this Cavs half court defense, right? They are going to have to deal with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, whereas and they're going to have to deal with Laurie actually getting being all the way back on defense. You know, that's really where you're going to beat this team right now, right? I mean, like it, you, it, you it look at what he transition. did against. You look at what he did against Michael Porter Jr. because it was in the half court. Yeah, MPJ would get by him every now and then, but Evan Mobley or Jared Allen was there to rotate, to take that away from him. And Laurie would kind of play like a matchup zone. He he would occupy the space. They would switch uh, all of those looks. And Michael Porter Jr. had a lot of trouble scoring, right? Because Laurie is a seven-footer with long arms active hands he plays those passing lanes that works in the half court but when you play against a team like charlotte that's primarily wings and they're pushing even after makes by the calves that's where you start to have some trouble so i i do think that um that that will likely show up eventually on the scouting report for the calves that's going to be something that they're going to need to adjust to um maybe in those games you play a little more isaac okoro and you don't feature the three bigs as well but in games where teams are going to play slower, I do think there, there's something sustainable and there's something that you can work with with these three big lineups. I mean, it's not for every single matchup, but if they can te- keep teams out of transition or semi-transition, if they can limit the number of live ball turnovers, those lineups are probably going to be effective. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that's going to really help them be effective is Jared Allen continuing to shoot around. 98% from the field. It's looking I mean, like me in 2K, my friend. Jared Allen always leading the league in field goal percentage when I'm playing in 2K. Well, I end in real life pretty much. Um, <laughs> well, so that no, one, pretty much he only, is right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the only stat you've ever uh, had that's real life in your 2K uh, experience. But So I far. Mean, and it's funny because with, with Jared, when he first got to the team, he was finishing everything. And it wasn't just dunks. I had this idea that he was just a dunker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a Mitchell Robinson or DeAndre Jordan type. And I I found myself pretty impressed by his touch around the hoop. And then as that season wore on, some of those terrible losing streaks uh, they they were running, I just felt like he kind of disengaged a bit and it Mm -hmm. just didn't feel like quite the same player. And then preseason happened and he wasn't really finishing much there either and wasn't playing with much force. And you're like, okay. And then game one, he, you know, um, he has a really great game scoring the ball, but kind of gets pushed around on the boards. And you're like, okay, that's what I'm. And then, oh my god, then then Denver, nineteen and and sixteen, uh, just killing it on the boards, killing it in hustle plays. At eight uh, rebounds in his fi- first two games, thirty in his next two. Yep. So that's uh, that's answering the call. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that in the way he's scoring has been so fun. It's a variety of step throughs, baby hooks. Um, uh, you know, just like, you know, his standard hammer fair, um, in transition running the floor. I mean, he's just getting so many buckets and, and all of it feels pretty sustainable because they're just, they're really, really nice step through moves. You know, maybe he's not someone who you want to just post up, but no, I, I, I think that the next level, if you're not going to be an elite post score, it's important that you have good enough footwork and the game is slow enough for you that you can 
kind of attack an unbalanced defender who was just he was you know coming back onto you after helping to close out on someone else and and, and the like. And man, is he showing that? You know, he's really showing the ability to uh, to attack weaknesses that others generate for him. Yeah. And and that's really really important because this team needs easy buckets. They just do. You know, yeah. as, as pleased as we've been with their offense, the spacing is always going to be a little clunky with this two big lineup. Yeah, I, I and, totally and, agree. And, and, so it, it's just very exciting to see. Yeah, and, and a lot of his post up possessions aren't coming kind of the the normal way right where you just have a guard bounce it down the floor they throw an entry pass you post up like that it's always coming off of secondary action right like he he's moving off ball all of a sudden he has deep position or they switched and he's attacking a mismatch um and and then you're really seeing him kind of put that footwork to work right like uh he's showing touch with both hands uh finishing both dunks and and kind of the finger rolls and and jumpers and i've also really liked the fact that he seems to be making really good reads as well right like if that help defense comes he gives up the ball if he sees all of a sudden on the strong side corner someone's wide open because the attention went to him he's giving that ball up he he had that nice play where he found laurie markinen against denver Uh, i believe when we talked to him on media that he kind of mentioned like that's one skill under the radar he wants to get better at which is passing out of the short roll and yeah. i think he's really done a nice job there and, and that's really important too because you look at what evan mobley excelled in in college that big to big passing was a big big part of his game and if both of the Cavs' bigs are doing that that's going to create easy opportunities not only for one another but also for guys like darius garland colin sexton uh isaac okoro as a cutter right like uh laurie markinen i uh, he's shown some nice slashing and some nice looks as a cutter as well killing nikola jokic and which was even pretty rubio. exciting even rubio there's a yeah. few there's been some finishes where uh, they, he's kind of two-manned his way to easy layups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it, totally it's been great. really fun. Can we talk about Rubio a bit? Because man, it's funny. Because My wife's new favorite player. Well, I imagine so. I'm sure he's a lot of wives' favorite players. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think that Rubio has really been fun because it's not like you know he's slashing good numbers right now, but you're seeing the problems that he's had in his career, like that. Yeah. Every side set step jumper is not going in. Dude, every single one for, for a player um, as smart as he is, like he he'll make some wild decisions, some, some wild choices. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like when when we talk about floor raisers, man, Whew. there he is. You know, I mean, he has been so impressive for this team, and it's funny because I feel like everyone except Cavs fans thought that this was a trade for them to flip at midseason. Mm-hmm. And Cavs fans were like, we finally have a backup point guard. Do not take this away from us, no matter what. No. And that that's certainly how I felt. And and like the kind of plays that you kind of see from him. So yeah, there's the flashy passes in there. And they're wonderful. That pass to Jetty in the opener was banana pancakes. Um, <laughs> but just getting the team into their offense and getting things moving and barking orders. That was one fun thing about seeing him in person was how much this dude talks. Yeah um and to the other team and there were some plays where he and trey were really barking at each other (laughs) which was super fun but he just he's just finds mismatches every entry pass he throws is good yeah like you know it's and for teams a team with two bigs you might think okay not much spacing ricky can't isn't much of a shooter that's going to be a problem but every i mean how many passes have we seen where kev got deep position with his arm up and colin threw it a little bit behind him yeah or or just didn't get him the ball right in rhythm 
and that that matters so much especially in this in this era where you can just beat the crap out of dudes on in, in the post in nowhere else yeah um so like if they lose their position because you don't throw a good pass like that's so painful so like that it's just been all that interconnective stuff with him and it's been really really fun to watch yeah, I mean, both he and Kevin Love, I think, deserve a lot of credit for how engaged they are uh, talking to the young guys, right? Like, you can see Kevin Love on the bench. He's always pointing things out. And he got a lot of credit last year, too, for being that veteran, for being engaged as a leader. Uh, even though the outburst got the attention, uh, you'd have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton constantly bringing up what he meant to them off of the court and now you're seeing him make an impact on and off the court first couple games the shot wasn't necessarily falling but i I thought he played uh with a lot of effort and and has really been trying out there and it all came together against denver uh where he was really effective but ricky rubio as you mentioned he's just such a floor raiser and i think the benefits this team is going to received by having him around having him to teach garland and sex and stuff like even though it's uncomfortable for garland to play with him now i do think playing off of rubio and learning how to is going to be great for his development and i mean the early returns of the Cavs' two biggest gambles of this offseason look productive what they were basically was hey we think Evan Mobley can replace a lot of what Larry Nance Jr. was bringing to this team. We feel like he can be that defensive anchor, that release valve uh, for the offense, uh, someone that can facilitate uh, in the short role. Um, like he is fulfilling that role, and the impact defensively is outstanding. The other one was hey, we are sacrificing a little bit of fit by giving up Torian Prince, uh, one of the few wings, a uh, 3 and D wings on this team, for Ricky Rubio someone that can help facilitate the offense, someone that's going to be a point of attack defender. And yes, this Cavs team desperately needs a wing. I think long-term it's obvious that this team needs to add a small four to the rotation, but the fact that you have such depth uh, at the forward positions with, with the bigs, as well as the depth at guards really allows you to kind of get creative, to just kind of maximize getting talent on the floor. Because as much as we talk about fit at the end of the day, just getting talent, just getting that talent on the floor and fig- usually results in ways to f- kind of figure things out and to make it work in the NBA, right? Like it, we we romanticize like trying to get the ideal fit, the conventional roster that everyone else is using. And I, I think obviously that there should still be a long, long-term focus of adding a small forward and adding a wing. But for now, like the talent that they have at the guard positions with the big men that that are versatile, that can play make for themselves and others and and kind of guard multiple positions, Laurie sacrificing by playing out of position. It's it's really coming together well in interesting ways, and it's exciting to watch. Yeah, one player we haven't talked about yet, and I know it just feels like we, have, we could talk about every single player in the roster, but one person we haven't talked about yet is Kevin, mm. who had a hell of a game against Denver. I mean... If we're talking about kind of where his what he needs to do to reestablish his value, it's this kind of stuff. I mean, just veteran savvy up and down the court. Uh, Crandall Densbach, who who I'm literally ripping this video from right now on Twitter, um, uh, you know, was the one who did a, he did a, a great thread on on Love's contributions uh, last night. I mean, he was just excellent, uh, mm-hmm. both in the post, both as a shooter. I thought as a cutter, he was really, really special. Yep. Um, which was really fun. Uh, he he had a, a key offensive rebound to keep them in the game. I mean, that's winning plays. And like you know, it, I talked about this before the season, and, and everyone is so quick to 
to dogpile the guy. And it makes me a little crazy because, you know, as quick as people are to dogpile this dude, he is he is really, really talented still. Mm-hmm. And when his body's feeling right, he's going to help this team. You yeah. know, I understand that they're going to prioritize the other three bigs over him. And that is fine. That makes perfect sense. But the reality of the situation is this was kind of my take when when uh, we were in preseason. It was like, I don't know if everyone realizes that there's like a world in which he's really helpful for this team still. Yeah. And, and, and as know, long as he is, I'm fine with using the three big lineup to help get the, their minutes there. Right. Like um, <clears throat> I'm fine with Laurie playing some three to, to help facilitate more minutes for Kevin Love when he's contributing. Right. Like, and we saw in preseason, he was shooting the ball really well. He was really, really effective. And yeah, he was missing shots those first few games, but I didn't think it was a lack of effort. And it, it was just really, really clear that he was not healthy last season. He was not healthy with Team USA, and he's worked to get his body right. He's worked to help contribute here. And um, I, I think sometimes being too online, um, you kind of feel that the discourse is a little more negative than it is. And, Bro, and are you about to say what I think you're about to say that I, when he was checking in? Yeah. Still, it, oh, it, it was, was so nice. It, I loved it, it. It was really nice to be at Romo Fijo, and every time Kevin Love would check into the game for the first time, he'd get a standing ovation. It, it, it's a nice reality check, right? Because, like, we we all know where this is kind of heading towards, right? They have invested in three young bigs that are probably going to be part of the future, and Kevin Love's situation, it's going to be fluid. But at the same time, like, this is a guy that's meant a lot to this franchise. I, I really feel like... I. I've said this before, but I I felt terrible last season because it was the first year where they were starting to be competitive. And after Kevin Love being healthy the last season, healthy and productive, he wasn't able to contribute last year. His body just kind of betrayed him and he wasn't able to be a factor. So the fact that uh, he's worked to get back into this position, uh, that he's contributing on and off the floor, being that veteran leader, like, it's really nice, man. Like, I... I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for Kevin Love. Like I was a fan before he joined the Cavs, big part of the four finals runs. The man has sacrificed a lot during his time, uh, both physically, uh, statistically, like there's been a lot there and yeah, there's been bad moments, but I kind of like to see a, a happy ending or at least a pleasant ending to this union, right? Like it's, it's nice to see him be a part of the success of this team because you know, as a competitor, he's wanted to be part of the the solution here. Yeah, I've always said the best way to to turn around the Kevin Love vibes in Cleveland is if the team just gets good. Yeah, um, you know, because I it's he was never going to be happy on a team that was losing sixty games a year. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this team's all of a sudden playoff bound, though. I'm starting to dream big dreams, Justin. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I, um, I have not and, readjusted my preseason predictions oh, at all. I, I haven't adjusted any predictions, but like my brain is, I'm flying right now. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling so good about this team. And, you know, I'm sure some reality checks are incoming on this West Coast trip. But in, in the short term, man, it just feels like when you're in this environment, you're going to get a happier team, you know? And I've said this from the beginning. Oh, if you're a Colin Sexton fan and you want him to get more national respect, one thing that'll solve it wins. wins. If you're mad that the Cavs were 30th in the future power ranking, you know what solves that one? Wins. Dude, last um, last time the Cavs won in Denver, it took 43 points from Sexland. They beat them with an off night from their guards. So like it, it's 23 points combined for the two of them. Uh, I thought Garland's playmaking was very good, but you know, 
not not the most assertive knife coming back from and an 23 ankle injury. and nine is what you think you'd have to get from one of them not right. combined yeah exactly right like and the the fact that they are willing to sacrifice some of their individual numbers to to work towards this like i i think it's just a really really healthy environment and it shows the amount of buy-in that there is right like because there's got to be an understanding like when you sacrifice for the benefit of the team to get positive results that's going to pay dividends like that's going to be recognized right like it's it's all really really encouraging and i i think for their long-term development this is going to be positive as the season progresses i have no doubt in my mind that you are going to see their individual numbers come up because at the end of the day colin sexton is probably the best scorer on this roster darius garland is one of the more dynamic players like every single time he ran a high pick and roll with jared allen somebody was getting a bucket like even with him as i said even with him not shooting well uh he still is a team best plus 13.7 in on off differential and the offense is 18.2 points better with him on the court right like there is a juice when he is out there that just isn't possessed by anybody else so like we are at a really really exciting point where we can weather the storm when some of our kind of key franchise players are having off nights there is so much talent and and these guys are all working towards a, a one goal and and that's a really really exciting point and yeah there's going to be setbacks yeah you're you're probably going to lose some of these games Look how brutal this schedule is. There, there is not a game that is a should win for a while, but every single win feels like a, or every single game feels like a could win at this point, which is something that we haven't been able to say about the Cavs for a while. Yeah, let, let's Mike and the Mad Dog the rest of this road trip, huh? LA, LA Clippers, win, loss. Oh, I am going to say loss. Okay, at Lakers win i think lebron might be out for a little bit here uh that that is possible um i i think i would flip it i think i think tomorrow's a more likely win than than friday i don't saturday second half of a back-to-back at phoenix don't feel great about phoenix me neither i think chris paul's just gonna eat them alive i think that's a loss and then at charlotte dub dub Uh, you know you think uh you think a little revenge game's coming little revenge game you know let's throw up the w's uh like we're all from winnipeg uh honestly like i i think and that's the thing about those first two games like the game against memphis and the game against charlotte if garland doesn't roll his ankle and and they're a little healthier like i i feel like they really would have had a shot in those games and they're going to have a shot in a lot of these games and they just might not close them but at the end of the day like it's fun that they are in these games. They're, they're going to have their off nights, but they're going, also going to have nights where they are punching above their weight and able to take teams down. Like it, It's funny. In their two wins, Carter, I, I mentioned how much lower the pace is in those wins. In their two wins, their true shooting percentage was 50.1 and 54.5. In their losses, it was 59.9 and 60.3. They are shooting like 10% worse from the field in their wins. Like... As much as like we always try to figure out how sustainable things are, the fact that you might be due for some regression from some players, but you feel like there is so much more to come, like Laurie Markin and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in particular, I think they can provide a whole lot more offensively and we're going to see more from them. That is a really, really exciting thing when you're trying to evaluate exactly where you stand with this roster. Oh, man. So exciting. So exciting. So uh, Cavs are two and two. Four, four games left in the road trip. You're saying we 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 leave this thing at uh four and or five and five. I, I think four and five, if my math is correct. 
Uh, well, there are four games left in the road trip, so it stands to ah. reason they would. Yeah, maybe would, four and yeah. four. Oh, buddy, no, if they you, start would four be and five four. and five because you had them. Uh, no, no, four and four. I'm an I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. That's okay. Well, I, I got to experience that in person. If they start this thing four and four, that is ridiculous. Because I remember last year when they got off to a hot start and we said, oh, February is coming. It's going to be awful. Sorry. Like, I know the vibes are good right now. This it's is our awful. February. We're in the middle of our February. We're in our February and we're 500 right now. We have weathered a Garland injury and we are 500. And we still can play so much better. There is nothing that feels unsustainable right now overall. This is such a great place to be in. I'm excited for it, man. Like, I still think right now this team is competing for a 10 seed, which means they're going to lose more games than they're going to win. Uh, you're going to go through some growing pains. But man, like they've got it. They've got the guy. They got Evan O'Mighty. They got the one. Uh, they, they've got all these young pieces that complement Evan Mobley well. They they got Colin Sex and Darius Garland. Like this is just so much fun, man. I, and I, I I just like that some of the prognostication that we did this offseason, the the things that we were excited about, seem to be coming to fruition. And, and yeah, I was just hopeful about Mobley, and man, he's exceeding my my hopes well by hope, a lot hopefully we can exceed our listeners hopes by a lot this season we are back to two days a week we are going to try to record every sunday and tuesday there might be some flexibility depending on whether or not there are game nights but we will probably be close to those days uh, or at least one day off but i am excited to be back podcasting twice a week i'm excited for all of this Cavs basketball that we have coming our way this is just the best time. Carter, do you have anything else to add before I wrap this thing up? No, my daughter's got to go to bed, but man, I, I could I could talk for three more hours. I could as well. Luckily, there is plenty of podcasting ahead of us. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click that bell so you know whenever we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can do so by leaving a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs. Thank you.